0: tell me a little bit about Mark Rollable Rocco, because he's another legend of that era, the 70s and the 80s, and uh, became famous all over the world, much like yourself, but I think he's kind of renowned for being one of the the best British wrestlers to have ever come out of our country, and uh, you had some some matches with Rollable Rocco, and he was another larger-than-life character on the scene. What do you remember about uh, Rollerball? What What a fella. What uh, I, I don't know. he uh, was he uh,
1: uh, was he was a bundle of energy. Mm. A bundle of it had to be, you know, whatever. Mm. Get stuck in and and wrestle and wrestling. yeah, a, a nice a nice fella, real real gentleman when he wanted to be. But he um, he made a he knew he realised because his dad was had been a professional wrestler, you right? Know. He realised that if you wanted to get anywhere in this business, you had to make uh, a mark on people. You had to, you had to come in the business like an explosion. Yeah. You know, and you had to do things that people remember, and that's what Mark did. He
0: came in the business and he kicked and he stomped and he st- leant over the top rope and he cursed and he. Well, this, this is it. In your, I think your characters. And your fighting styles probably complemented one another because he was a proper villain, wasn't he? Oh, and yes. he would give it to the crowd. Yes. Um, and, he, you know, he'd be, you know, quite full on in the ring. Yeah. Um, and uh, would you say that he was one of your, your favourite opponents or maybe one of your favourite people to be around in the business?
1: Uh, well, he was good for the business. Definitely good for the business. Uh, and the one thing about Mark... <laughs> When you when you came out of a match with Mark, you knew you'd been in a match, you know, because you, you'd have...
0: You felt it. Yeah, yeah you'd,
1: have, you'd have a cut somewhere or, you know, or, yeah,
0: definitely, but uh, yeah, he was good for the business. And I suppose kind of the, the, the one thing that a lot of people talk very fondly of about that, that time span, that era, world of sport era, is a lot of the pros, like yourself, took it very seriously. Oh, yes. And if you didn't make it look real yeah. um, the fans would recognize that a mile off absolutely. i think there was a, a legitimacy about what you guys did in the 70s and in the 80s that you took a lot of pride from
1: absolutely you know my uh my golden rule was if ever i went on with anybody is get what you can mm. and if you don't when we link up you've got two three seconds to take something if you don't take it you've lost it I've, i'm going to take something
0: yeah yeah What are your memories about uh, Jimmy Breaks as well? Because um, I think... Jim Brakes would probably go down as one of your fiercest rivals. Oh. I know that you had um, several matches over the world lightweight championship, yeah. um, and uh, I think he's another one like Mark Rollable Rocco that wasn't popular with the crowds, wasn't popular with the fans. Um, but uh, I think your comp- your styles complemented one another, and uh, I think it'd be probably one of your um, most fiercest rivals, shall we say?
1: He he knew what the business was about. He knew that you have got to you've got to make a a, a crash. Mm. You've got to wake them them people up. Yeah. He had it. He had it all up here. Jimmy did. He played the crowd very he well. Did he? He knew that. He, to, he could play the crowd. He could wind them up like a like a an elastic band and let them go. He had it all up there, Jimmy. Yeah. And it was and he was. He, it uh, was it was fantastic to wrestle, you know. Uh, and it, but he just, he, I don't know. He, he had it all. Jimmy did.
0: We spoke a bit earlier about Max Crabtree, um, but uh, tell us a little bit about um, Shirley Crabtree now, Big Daddy. Yeah. Because of course, certainly for Dale Martin promotions and joint promotions uh, in the seventies, and the eighties, Big Daddy was the star, wasn't he? He was the main eventer, uh, wasn't? Technically proficient, like you and some of the other boys, um, but uh, uh, he was always positioned as the main eventer and the the Union Jack, the red, white, and blue, yes, the top hat, yes. the sequins. Um, couldn't be any more different, really, to maybe yourself or some of the other boys. But what was what was Shirley or Big Daddy like um, in the locker room and to to work with?
1: He was all right. He was all right. It was Max Max Crubbsy was the brains behind it all. Mm max knew that the business needed something it needed lifting because the business had had flopped a little bit yeah and so max started and created this uh this what's the word i'm looking for i don't know but from the minute the curtains opened and 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 shirley came out and that the the music
0: was playing the razzmatazz yeah the larger than
1: life yeah the larger than life character Mm getting in the ring and two or three belly bumps and things like that. And it gave the crowd
0: what they wanted because mm. the crowd wanted to be, oof. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose it added a bit of a bit of variety to the show as well, didn't absolutely, it? Where, you know, absolutely. you had had your guys, uh, yourself and the yeah. gym breaks that would do the, the wrestling yes, and the Big yeah, Daddy would yes. come out at the end and do the entertaining. Did, did you ever work any matches with, with Shirley?
1: No, I don't think I ever did, uh, no. Uh, I don't think our I was, I was styles would uh, compliment. compliment one another, <laughs> you know. But uh, <coughs> I really understand uh, what Max did, what Max knew that the business needed to be lifted. Mm. And he certainly lifted it.
0: Well, that's right. And when you think when I was growing up in the 80s, you know, Big Daddy Shirley Crabtree was on adverts on TV. Yes. Um and uh yeah, I mean he was like I suppose if I was to compare him to any of the big American stars, he was UK's version of Hulk Hogan and he uh, was absolutely everywhere, wasn't absolutely, he? Very marketable. Absolutely. Which absolutely. helped the business. Oh,
1: absolutely put the business right back on its on his feet again.
0: Yeah. You know was there any resentment from the boys about how Shirley was positioned as this big main eventer um was there any kind of resentment in terms of why is he always getting the push why is he always getting the main event spot
1: well if if there was I'm not I'm not aware of it but the thing the thing is from, <clears throat> from my point of view it was much better to go to a hall mm. and wrestle in front of a crowd that was packed yeah And it was Shirley that was drawing them in rather than go to a hall uh, that Shirley wasn't on and the hall was empty.
0: You make a good point. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, I know around uh, 86 and 87, uh, dare I say, you, you, you moved over from joint promotions to all-star wrestling, to That's Brian right. Dixon. Yes,
1: I did, yes. T-
0: what were the circumstances around that? Do you remember kind of what the what the catalyst of that move was for yourself? Well, it was basically about money, really.
1: Mm. You know, uh, y- you know, the cost of living was going up and uh, you, you tried to get wages extra wages for your matches and but uh, obviously joint promotions were very restrictive and so I moved over to uh, Brian Dixon promotions,
0: who offered me quite a considerable amount more money mm. was it seen as a controversial move at the time because I know that you know if you were working for Max Crabtree and Joint Promotions, or Dale Martin, for example. You you couldn't work for the opposition. Right. You couldn't work for no. All Star. And no. um, was it seen with some raised eyebrows at the time, Johnny? Oh yes, of course. Yeah, you you work for Joint Promotions, and that was it.
1: You couldn't work for anybody else. But if Joint Promotions had got no work, mm. what are you supposed to do? Especially if you've got families to look after, and yeah, you know, so you have to go where the money is, don't you? Yeah, and. and, and uh, Brian Dixon knew that uh, he could offer extra money for, for your matches,
0: and yeah. so it was common sense to, to go over. Yeah, and I think, having spoken to maybe Tony Sinclair and one or two others, I think that your move over, your jump, was uh, uh, seen as the catalyst for a few other boys following you, and um, I think All Star kind of benefited from you making that move in the first instance.
1: Uh, definitely, yes, I had a few uh, people follow me up, Once I moved over, Mm. and asked me what it was like, and I I said, "Well, it's not, it's not all laid out and and, uh, organized like like joint joint promotions was, but nevertheless, I'm earning
0: more money." Mm. Yeah, and of course we, you know. (laughs) The the very sad loss of Brian Dixon this year. Yes. Um You knew the the great man for for many years. Uh, any fond memories of working for for Brian Dixon? Because of course, you know from eighty six onwards, you was a regular for his group, weren't you? For All Star.
1: Yeah. Um Well, he was he was a nice he was a straight nice fella. Actually, you mm. can always have a laugh and a joke with him, and. uh you know, uh, and he seemed to take. Sometimes you'd turn up at a hall and there was hardly anybody there, and he'd just take it in his stride. Mm. You know, uh, I I got on well with him.
0: I got on well with the family. Yeah, and uh, and it was a great loss actually. Yeah, absolutely. And I've uh, not heard uh, you know anything but praise for, uh, for for Brian and the people that have worked yes, for him. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, we sadly missed, of course. I want to talk to you now about Steve Gray because um, we've spoken about a few of your classic opponents over oh, the year, yes, but yes. but I think Steve Gray would probably be uh, another one of those that's yes. synonymous with yourself. Um, you had kind of many battles over the years with Steve, right, yes. um, and uh, I think another. Uh, renowned technical worker, technical wrestler. Um, but uh, what are your memories of, of working with, with Steve? I can only assume that your styles complemented one another, and that you were great dance partners in the ring. The, 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 our styles did complement one another very much, and uh, and the, the the crowd
1: really enjoyed the the uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The you know the the, the uh, styles. The competition com- between com- the two. Com- of you? Competition between yeah. the two of us, yes. Uh, and he was a great wrestler. Honestly, he was, and uh, and I en- enjoyed wrestling with him because he he kept he kept you on your on your toes up here. Yeah,
0: you know. Yeah, and and yeah. and Steve's still keeping himself busy. He's doing seminars and. Uh uh, I know that when I interviewed Mel Sanders recently, Steve came up in the conversation uh, quite a few times, so uh, I'd love to get Steve on the show, but uh, that's a, another interview for yeah. another day. but uh, Steve, another kind of legend of that of that era. Um, let's talk about the the world lightweight. Championship now Johnny yes. because I think that When people think of that championship They automatically think of yourself right. um, Now correct me if I'm wrong but I, I have you down as having won it Maybe ten times throughout um, your yes, Career I
1: think I did defend it ten times
0: Yes yeah 10 times, you yeah. won it You won it ten times and Obviously I think that that championship Helped to put you on the map and you yes. Probably helped to raise the championship As well what are your kind of th- That that's a championship that's very close To your heart and uh, like I say I think the Championship also retired when you first retired as well, didn't it? I don't think well, it was defended after that. I, d- I don't think it was, actually. I no? don't, I'm not
1: not even sure it exists anymore. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I don't want to sound big-headed here, but I, always t- I was always brought up to take pride in what I did mm. and give whatever you do, give it 100%. And I always gave the wrestling... Yes. Because uh, I was always happy with my physical um, prowess or whatever you want to call it. I used to love training, love running, love getting in the ring. And yeah. And so I was quite, uh, let's say I was proud. Mm. I was proud to be that champion. Of course,
0: of course. And I think it was about 88 when World of Sport. Stopped airing on ITV What sort of effects did that have on the business um, around then where because of course that was the shop window wasn't it? That was the shop window that people would watch it on a Saturday afternoon and then go to the halls in the week and watch you guys perform uh, at Whatever location you were but when that came to an end What effects did it have on on business and, and your bookings and how often you were booked or performing? Well for a period of
1: time the business literally collapsed, right? Once it came off television, that was it, you know, uh, and it, it took a while for other promoters to uh, to pick up uh, the halls that uh, yeah. joint promotions had, had, had stopped
0: using and yeah, it, was a, it was a real difficult period actually, mm. a real difficult period. And, of course, it was around then when the American product really started to take off uh, over here in the UK and and worldwide. But uh, was there any... I know that there was a lot of um, promotions that started doing kind of Americanized Mm -hmm. gimmicks and things like that. Um, Did you see the benefit of that at all? No, I didn't, actually, because... um,
1: How can I put this? I, I was always... Well, I came up under Billy Robinson, yeah, and Billy was a straight wrestler, and uh, and I always looked at the business and tried to keep it straight, you know. But I realised that people wanted more than just straight wrestling, and they wanted more than I could give them, and so I had to accept the fact that there's a lot of showmen coming in the business. Mm. And the thing was that uh, as long as they kept the business going, then I was in work
0: as mm, well. Absolutely.
1: So I had to accept a lot of things that I didn't like.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know? <sighs> I want to talk a little bit about japan now johnny because um i don't know how many times you went out there but i have you going down there towards the end of 1996 yeah. for a three-month stint for mishinoku pro yes. um and uh going through the record books i i don't think you went over to japan much really in your career uh do you have any fond memories of working over in japan yeah i think i went over three times i in in total mm. unfortunately it,
1: my periods in, Dja- in, in Japan seems to come towards the end of my career. Mm. Uh, I was past my cell by date as such over there. But I will, uh, I really, really enjoyed it over there because they uh, they wanted me to teach them stuff all the time. And so I did as much work in the gymnasium as I did wrestling.
0: And I really, really did enjoy it. Yeah. And um, it was just after that that you retired for, th- right, well, for yeah. the first time, certainly. Yes. Um, nobody stays retired for too long in the wrestling business, as we know. <laughs> 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 but you retired... Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Late '96, early '97, and you yeah. was uh, gone for for ten years. And what yeah. um, yeah. was that? Because you felt, as you just said, you were, you know, maybe at the twilight of your career, and that you couldn't offer what you could offer before. Were, were there other factors? Uh, yeah, there was. I mean,
1: you y- you can't spend uh, your life in a business like that without it doesn't take its toll on your body. Mm. And so, like I say, I've got a false knee, and uh, one or two, are like, you know, my hands are all. Mm. figured and and so it, it, it does catch up with you, you know. So you need to give your body a, a rest. Mm. Uh, but then, having rested my body, like now I've rested my body, and I, and I feel woof, I could like I'd like to get in that ring now and okay. have a go, yeah, you know. But uh, you, you've got to realize, hang on a minute, you're getting older, it
0: doesn't matter what you think up here, is what, yeah. It's what this this counts for Gotcha, you know, gotcha. Body. but you did come back didn't you after about 10 years absence yes. um, certainly in the 2000s there there appeared to be this big resurgence or nostalgia yes. for the golden era again golden era, and yes. people that were popular in the 70s and the 80s um, were now popular again in the early to mid 2000s so you're yes. talking 20 years down the line there was this yeah. resurgence uh, people like uh, Mal Sanders and you Yourself yes. And Steve Gray yes. uh, Were making this comeback And it was popularised again And certainly not just in the UK But in Germany and the US And uh, you came out of retirement I So what, what was the What was the inspiration or the catalyst Behind you coming back Who convinced you I don't know who it was that <laughs>
1: convinced me But I mean I don't know Could it have been my ego You know t- uh, um You were a world champion, Mm. Uh, you were in a business all your life, you loved the business, that's how you earned your living, Uh, could I now come back and be the same again, could I, you know, so I think that was the thinking behind it, Mm. but... um, Time marches on, doesn't
0: it? Well, well it does, it does. But um, it was around that time um, when a certain Mike Quackenbush came into your life. Right. And I think it was probably um, during a, a tour of Germany when you first met Mike. Yes. Um, I had Mike on my show a little while ago. and We, we yeah. spoke about this when he kind of first bumped into you. Because he's always had this fascination with the British style and with yes. world of sports. Yes. And then, of course, he uh, got introduced to yourself, Johnny, Um uh, and then, of course, he uh, got you over to the states, didn't he? That's right, and uh, he did. with yeah. his uh, old promotion, Shikara. Excuse me. Did you want to drink a <coughs> water? Okay. No, I'm okay. You're right. So he he got you involved, uh, got you over to the states about 2009 with Shikara, the King of Trios. <coughs> yes. uh, you two really hit it off, but um, that was uh, another chapter in your career, going over to the states and performing for Mike and Shikara.
1: Yes, it was actually, and I really enjoyed it, but. Um it's like I've said <coughs> time marches on and time waits for no man and then I realised I was getting a bit older and uh, and I seemed to have spent my life on the road and I was a, bit, a little bit homesick actually Yeah, I just wanted to get back home and be with my friends and yeah. family and you know I think there comes a time in your life when you've <coughs> excuse me Spent as much time as I have on the road and away from home and in different parts of the world, and you think, hang on a minute, it's time I settle down a yeah.
0: little bit. But when you did kind of wrestle uh, through the late 2000s, um, and you, you had several matches with Mr. Smooth, didn't you, Johnny Kid? Yes. Now, I know that Johnny's uh, come up once or twice already in this, this conversation, but uh, once again, another, I think... He was uh, probably quite young when he made his debut and uh, the world of sport was probably just coming to an end. Yeah. Um, so you probably had a few years on him. But uh, another very smooth, technically proficient wrestler. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, and uh, the two of you had some pretty good battles yes. um, during your second stint.
1: Yes, we did. And like I say, it was uh, sometimes I'm, it's like wrestling myself. <laughs> you know, uh, no, he's uh, a good professional. Uh, He he gave it
0: 100% all the time, yeah. And, and still performs today, I think. Uh, Does he? Wow. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Good luck to him. Good luck <laughs> to
1: him. In fact, if he's still
0: performing, I'm going to make a comeback. I challenge him. You heard it here first, <laughs> folks. You heard it here first. A couple of final questions then, Johnny. Right. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. But let's talk a little bit about WWE um, and NXT UK. Um, because, of course, we, we spoke about when World of Sport came to an end and the American yes. product became really, really popular over here and kind of took over the landscape um, and then here you were so many years later um, under contract to WWE I think it, it, it probably all started as a bit of a in a guest coaching role if I'm not mistaken. It did actually yes and uh, here again my memories
1: uh, letting, letting me down badly here um, but I enjoyed the period I had with them. Yeah? Yes, uh, coaching and yeah, definitely definitely <laughs>
0: And, and what about the the on screen role as their the, as the general manager of NXT UK? And uh, I, I've spoken to quite a few of the stars that were part of the NXT setup: Nina Samuels and Shah Samuels and Sam Gradwell and various others. Um, but uh, it looked like a lot of fun. It was actually. I really enjoyed it, and I
1: was very disappointed actually when it, it came yeah, to an end. Same. <coughs> and I think. <coughs> If I'm not mistaken, I think they um, they pulled out and went over in, into uh, Europe. Actually, because I think that's the, the plan because of the uh, the taxes they were paying over here. Right. Yeah. You know, and obviously, excuse me. <coughs> obviously, they don't they don't need me over in Europe,
0: do they? Because I, I don't speak uh, German or French or no, no. But. Um, what, what, did it take you out of your comfort zone playing more of a, uh, a TV personality and on-air character as opposed to doing what you grew up on and that was actually the physical stuff in the ring? Did it take a little bit of adapting, uh, finding that Johnny Saint character? Um, uh, well, it was something new,
1: wasn't it? Not, yeah. Uh, n- something I wasn't used to. <clears throat> but at the same time, I realised that I had to put as much effort into yeah being this new character as i was when i was wrestling yeah so yeah. I, I did try and it definitely worked i did try and in i tried
0: i was getting to the stage where um i was enjoying it yeah yeah absolutely and and final question then johnny um what do you think your your legacy on the british wrestling scene or maybe wrestling in general will be um like i say Man of a thousand holds, uh, entertained millions every single week, and uh, had a style that many people kind of um, emulated and copied over the years and still do today. But what do you think your legacy will be? What would you like it to be?
1: Oh, what would I like it to be? We're getting quite deep here, Johnny. Right, yes, we are actually. (laughs) Um, I'd like it, I'd like people to, if they're talking about wrestling. Mm to say oh do you remember Johnny Saint yeah he was an escapist artist uh, always fit yeah always presented himself 100% uh, and a good wrestler
0: and if you don't mind me saying one of the very best to do it Oh well, thank you.
1: Thank you very much indeed. Thank you.
0: But, uh, Johnny Saint, it's been an honour and a privilege speaking to you on Episode 7 of the Legends Masterclass. Um, I just want to shake your hand and thank you very much.
1: You're welcome. Anytime. Anytime.